everybody, this is Chad with I Want to Know. I've got my friend Rick Simon here, who's a teacher, he's got a degree in counseling, uh, he's a dad, a husband, a pillar of his community, uh, my good friend Rick Simon. How's it going, Rick? Very good. Thank you for that really nice introduction. I am flattered. Nice. So today I thought we would talk a little bit about uh, being a dad, because it's uh, something we have in common. Uh, a little bit about some uh, exercise and some fitness stuff. Sure. And also about some goal setting. Okay. So I know that uh, you're a super, super active dad. Physically, you know, you, you work a full-time job as a teacher, which some mm-hmm. people would uh, say that's not really full-time, but I know it is. <laughs> <laughs> I know that uh, you're also in a band and you do lots of activities with your kids, uh, kid one kid, kid yeah. and uh, and you're super active as far as exercising. So, I try to be. Yeah. yeah. So I know one thing that uh, I remember you talking to me a little while ago as far as exercise was uh, I think you had a goal of doing 200 push-ups a day. Was it 200? Yeah, it, d- it just depended on how things were going. There was a time where I got up to 500 oh, in a day. Yeah. yeah. And so that kind of stemmed from the fact that because I'm a dad, I couldn't get to a gym. Yeah. And so, um, and even though I had weights, it just seemed like I never got the weights out of the closet because I was always doing something. But I found being a dad, I could be cooking up breakfast and then hit a set of push-ups in the kitchen floor. And then I could be doing laundry and then do another set of push-ups while I'm, uh, you know, doing the sheets. And then I'm backyard and I'm, uh, you know, mowing the lawn and I don't think any neighbors are noticing, you know, and then I just keep doing a set of push-ups and I just try to make a goal of it. And it was kind of, it turned into a, I was trying to do 200 a day and that was a bit too much. So I said, okay, how many can I do in a week? And so I would just try and hit it every Saturday. Yeah. And then, uh, that would be my big chest day. And then, and then the Sundays were how many pull-ups can I do? And I just had a pull-up bar in the house and I, that you can do over doors and so every time I pass the door how many pull-ups could I do and I was trying to push pull off a hundred in a weekend wow. or or on on that day and then and then through the week I usually would get up in the mornings and I would cycle or I'd lift weights or whatever but um weird I don't know if I was talking to you about it yeah I was when we ran into each other yeah I found that the greatest impact or the the greatest consequence from exercising for me wasn't the phys- physical fitness attribute but rather Get you a little closer. There you go. sorry that's okay, okay. How's, how's that? <laughs> that's perfect okay. um it was it wasn't the physical fitness uh component but for me it was the psychological uh impact and i found there was a time at christmas time where i just got really really sick with strep throat and it took me a long time i got the flu right after it and uh, it's been a long time years since I've been that sick mm-hmm. and so it was about a month or two that I didn't exercise at all Yeah, and I just found I was just low yeah. really low <clears throat> and I found that if I was exercising on a regular basis and I almost always exercise in the morning that I just sets me up for the day and I'm pumped and I'm excited and what are we doing today Mr. Simon and it's like it doesn't matter but it's going to be awesome <laughs> you know love that. and uh, and I'm just excited but I found um, more and more and I was talking to my wife about it I just find that if I'm active my attitude is so positive yeah 
but if I'm if I'm not active, I just feel like I can't drink enough coffee. Yeah, and it doesn't make seem to make a difference. You, you know mm-hmm. that that's the. I remember you telling me about the push-ups, and it was inspiring because so many people say, "Well, there's not enough time in the day," right? That that me and you are both very very active people yeah we still find time to exercise we still find time to do hobbies still keep our wives happy and our kids happy and it's all by basically doing what you did is just finding these little small pockets to fit in the stuff that's important in our lives like exercise right to to get up an hour earlier and go for a short run maybe not even an hour maybe 15 minutes earlier and you do a five or ten minutes run then you get your shower in that's it that's it and it and it is really hard to find that time and I find that it's really really easy for that to slide away and if there was something I did differently this year in comparison with the rest is that while I was making dinner I was also making breakfast and my lunch and Josh's lunch for the next day just multitasking as much as you possibly could I'm gonna be in that kitchen for the next hour anyway making everything and I just found I could listen to a podcast and uh, Josh could be working on piano or whatever it was, but I even had it where even the coffee is set up so that all I have to do is hit the button. I have my smoothie and it's ready, it's in the fridge, and I have, I even had it where his bowl of cereal was set out and the knife and the plate was all, and, and it sounds like I'm over the top organized. No, I'm extraordinarily disorganized. Yeah. But by doing this, it it gave me that extra half an hour or 45 minutes in the morning that I never had before. And as my wife so, um, so lovely puts it, uh, I was always running around with my hair on fire in the mornings. And, uh, now I just find I'm a lot more relaxed and I, I can, it only takes me 20 minutes to get ready and my son ready for school. Yeah. I think that when you get a good system in place, like sometimes it's not the first try that you get that good system. But once you get that good system in place, it's just repeat, repeat, repeat. So it's fast. It's easy. Get you over those hard humps and, and over the parts that you don't want to do. Right. Like it's if breakfast is an important meal, which I think it is, you want to have a healthy breakfast, but sometimes it's time consuming to do that. But if you plan well, get up when your alarm goes off, have a plan for the morning, then you can get to it. But if you got to get up tired, groggy, 15 minutes late, and you're not putting the, the um, it's hard to put the effort in at that point. It's like, oh, it's so much Oh, it's impossible. Just, yeah. Yeah, no, it is, it, it is. And so like, I even have it where, like, here's my cycling clothes, and the socks and everything because I don't want to wake my wife up by turning the lights on or anything. Yeah. So that I don't have to turn my brain on in the morning. Right. But I can put, get on a bike, and I have often watched. I watched a lot of documentaries over the winter, uh, which was great, you know. And uh, so it wasn't like I was always pushing hard, but I was always, even if it was twenty minutes, it was rare a day went by where I didn't do something in the morning. Yeah. And that makes that I uh, I didn't know what kind of a impact it had yeah. until I got sick and couldn't do it. And then there was about a month recently where I just was too slammed with with everything that had to be done. Yeah, and I dropped, and I just find my attitude is terrible. Uh, I was just talking to my wife before you got here, and she's uh, going to work for a new company, as we talked about, Simply for Life. And one of the things that I think that they're implementing is going to be uh, CBD and cannabis into their system. Um, And one of the things... You realize I'm a teacher. I do. Okay. So I can't really speak on something like that. No, but what I'm kind of getting at is that we have these natural cannabinoids in our system 
that, uh, and she was just explaining to me, and I'm probably going to sound like a retard, but we'll do the best we can, that through exercise, through good nutrition, your body will naturally produce these can, uh, can, cannabinoids, and which give you joy and enthusiasm and happiness. So it's like uh, a natural form of, of getting high or getting yeah. the, the I don't know about you. those chemicals, but I do know endorphins do a very similar thing. And I think the... Uh, cannabinoids are essentially working the same way. So when you exercise, when you eat good fats, when you have good nutrition, your mood will go up. It's yeah. part of the way the human body works. Yeah. And so getting up every morning and, and uh, um, you know, doing 10 or 15 minutes, like honestly, how long would it take or how many of us could do more than 10 or 15 minutes of sit-ups, push-ups and pull-ups? Like it's literally only 15 minutes. It is, it is. And once you start, like, it's like, okay, I'm going to try and do 100 push-ups today. And then... That's silly. Yeah, or whatever it is. But it doesn't seem like much because I'm only doing... 10 at a time. Well, or the, maybe the first set, I'll, I'll, I'll do as many as I possibly can. Yeah. And then I... But I might do 20 sets yeah. that day, you know, until I reach my goal. Yeah. Or until my arms fall off, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, it just sounds ridiculous, you know. Uh, but it's like, oh, go change the laundry and, okay, hit another set of push-ups. And I'm just say, okay, I'm going to try and do 400 today. Or I'm going to do, my, my max was, was 500. And then it's like, okay, let's do something else. Yeah. But, man, I notice a huge difference, especially swimming yeah. uh, from, from the push-ups because the recovery time is, is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to mention, though, I do go to Simply for Life and, and see a dietitian. Yeah. And she just showed me on last Monday about what the difference was between prepared snacks and people and then snacks that people don't prepare for and just buy. Yeah. And whether it be the salt or whether it be the caloric intake. Yeah. It's crazy. I know. It's crazy. And uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm terrible for this too. But I, it was just this wonderful reminder that if I'm extremely organized, yeah. uh, like today, for instance, um, the baseball tournament was canceled. And so we went to some batting cages downtown Calgary. Yeah. And so I took my two nephews with me and Josh, and, and it's like, here's my cucumbers and my hummus and apples and granola bars and bananas yeah. and water. And instead of... Dad, I'm hungry, and I'm at this baseball cage. Trying to buy a basket and of fries. I, yeah, yeah, and I would have bought a basket of fries, and I would have bought, um, you know, a couple pops, and I would have brought, uh, here's a chocolate bar, or, you know, there's nothing else to have, and my son's hungry, and yeah. I, therefore, you know. What, what's the, the hardest thing to do as a parent if you're, if you're focused on the nutrition? Yeah. Don't eat your, your kid's food. Right. When they're finished... <laughs> And I'm terrible for it, but I have to really be cognizant of it. But when they're finished their food, throw it in the garbage. Yeah. And I say, I say to myself, it's like, oh, what a waste. Yeah. But as my dietitian told me, it's garbage, whether you put it in the garbage or whether you put it in your body. Yeah. And that's a really, really good reminder. But it's so hard to become aware of that. And, and even after a decade of you know, going to a nutritionist or a dietitian, I still have to write down what I eat. Yeah. And I still go to a dietitian, not because I think that they're going to teach me anything new, but I need to be accountable. 
even if it's to myself, and just to, to walk in there and stand on a scale in front of someone else. <laughs> yeah. And go, Accountability is huge. Yeah, well, that's just it. Even if I totally sucked and I'm up two pounds, yeah. well, at least I've cut it off of the past instead yeah. of it being two months of being sick or Christmas or whatever it is, yeah. and then I'm up 15 pounds. Right. And, you know, and see, it makes you a better planner too, right? So if you know what your caloric intake is per meal or your son's is, then you make that food and it should be gone at the end. I, I'm just back on the path of measuring my food. I use my fitness pal and I enter everything in. My wife has got a, a diet laid out for me and it, right now we're in a cleansing diet. So it's lots of fish and vegetables and, and hardly any carbs. But I measure it all as I go. And that's when I'm always feeling my best, looking my best is when I'm measuring my food. It seems like when I stop measuring it, then um, it just gets off the rails. And like, well, what's an extra bite? What's well, an extra pork chop? And that's what? the thing. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I, like I was sitting down and talk to my uh, dietitian and I just said, I don't even enjoy it when I'm in that phase of just eating yeah. like a pig, but I'm not even aware of it. Like, it sounds ridiculous, but sometimes I've caught myself putting some garbage or the crust <laughs> of his sandwich or the crust of his pizza or yeah. eating the rest of his bowl of Cheerios and I, I, I feel like a pig even saying this. Maybe we'll have to edit this out of the thing, but, <laughs> but I actually go over to the garbage yeah. or the toilet and I spit it out yeah. and it's like what are you doing yeah and uh, but what one thing I just started doing recently is that I know what I'm taking for lunch and I generally plan out roughly what's gonna be for dinner and I, I started writing down in the morning everything I was going to eat that day yeah because now instead of <laughs> I'm planning what I'm gonna eat rather than I'm telling mom and dad what I did wrong at the end of the day, you know, and that's how I feel. Like, I hate journaling because it feels like... Well, I'm going to write in, I eat a piece of cake oh, today. What a yeah, I just, hole. And then I, I, and I just feel, I feel like, um, I don't know, you're this, you're, yeah, it, it's yeah. after the fact. When you're writing it down, it's a reactive thing. And I always feel that it's, it's a punishment. But when, <laughs> when I write it down beforehand, yeah. then I feel like, here's my plan. And at the end of the day, maybe I have to write down an extra piece of cake. Yeah. Or, or you know, five cent candies. God, I love candies, you know. <laughs> and I made this uh, bet with Josh yeah. when I met you that day, yeah. a couple of days ago or whatever, that um, we couldn't pass the ESO. Yeah. Uh, you know, however many times, and it got up to 40 times <laughs> that we couldn't pass the ESO. Without buying candy? Without, and I don't need it much, but I love those five cent candies, yeah. and I just want a little bag yeah. of, of five, five cent candies. Five or ten candies? Yeah, well, I just need, I, I always get a dollar. Okay. I don't know why. It's probably because <laughs> when I was seven or whatever, and I, I grew up on a farm, and I biked to town, and I had a dollar. Yeah. And so I got a dollar's worth of candy, and I still only want a dollar's worth of candy. But a dollar's worth of candy every day, well... That's a lot of that's calories. That's a lot of calories, a lot of and, and uh, that's the difference over the scale of a couple of weeks of, of pounds. Yeah. And, uh, and so we made this bet, and uh, I won the bet, not because... Uh, uh, it went by by a month, but I went for a, a bike ride with my two nephews and uh, and Josh, and we're like, Dude, can we get candies? I'm like, no, Josh and I made a bet. I would, but I can't because Josh and I made a bet. And he goes, well, it was a terrible idea, Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And he's like, I have a great idea. All you have to do is walk by the store yeah. 40 times. You don't have to pass it in your, you know, you don't have to do this. Uh, you don't have to do the whole loop. Yeah, so we totally good. cheated the system. Oh, okay. And they counted. That's smart. As kid. we're standing in yeah. front of Essa, just before we met you, <laughs> and we got such a big laugh out of it. All these strangers are wondering, what's this guy doing, basically Pacing walking back, back and forth the Essa so we could all go in. We all cheered when yeah. I walked by it like 40 times. It was totally ridiculous. But, you know, I think that uh, we have to have goals. Yeah. You know, or I have to have goals. I need, you know, I, I did a big bike thing, and I said, I want to be this weight by this time. And even if I failed to make it, where I wanted to be I was further along than if I didn't make that goal in the first place. Right. Yeah. And uh, I feel like it's it's always important to set hard goals and then be okay with it if you don't make it, but then don't stop. Like, you know, you can say, well, in a month I want to lose, let's say, eight pounds, right? Two pounds per week. And that that's not an overly hard goal, but it's definitely a challenging goal for, for a lot of people. But if you only lost six pounds, well, that's great. Well, now set a new goal for the next month. So I did six yeah, last or, or reset. Seven. Yeah. Just reset, okay, what can I do over the next two weeks? Right. And uh, where are we going to be? And, and I, I go to the nutritionist or dietitian on Mondays because yeah. that's my setup day. I'm excited. I've usually got some rest of the weekend, and I'm ready to plan. Wow. You know? And uh, How many years have you been going in to see them? better part of a decade really that's awesome yeah it is but I mean I grew up on a farm with three brothers yeah and so the whole concept of dinner time was you better get there before Scott because <laughs> it won't get there there's not going to be any left you <laughs> so know you come home eat like a savage yeah we got this this is a funny story one of my my brother Scott's his best friend James was over this one time, and my mom made a couple batches of cookies. So, you know, like there's, I don't know, 24 or 30 some cookies yeah. for these five boys that come home. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, it's like go time as soon as you get off the bus, right? And Scott even said to James, he's like, hey, you should get in here. <laughs> <laughs> and James says, "No, no, I'm good." Yeah. And then we all go out and we do chores. Yeah. And then we come back in. And James is like, "Hey, do you think I could get one of those cookies?" And Scott started laughing. And he's like, "No, um, I don't think you understand. Yeah. There are no cookies left. Yeah. You had your chance, you know." And so I'm, I'm always, even now, I, I think, oh, I better eat. Yeah. I better eat. I better, because I, I'm going to be going for the next two hours. Yeah. That, uh, you know, I, and it's like we live in 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 capitalist North America where, everywhere. where there's food everywhere. Yeah. And I still am of the opinion, like, I don't know that I'm in, I'm a survivor on some mountain and that I have to eat now. <laughs> or Scott's going to get it all. Well, yeah. Or, or I don't know what it is. And, and uh, my wife pointed out it's, she she heard from some other uh, colleague of hers, and it's like it's okay to be hungry sometimes. Yeah, well, it's you totally know? fine to to be hungry sometimes. Yeah, and I but I still can't do that. I, I would like to do a social experiment one time, and so this is how easy I think it is to get food in Canada. Is that I bet you we could walk out to any neighborhood in Canada, and it would take less than ten door knocks to get a full meal. 
So you can walk up to a house and say, listen, I'm really hungry. I'm sorry to bother you guys. I just need something to eat. And I bet you it would take less than $10 to get a full day's worth of food. Yeah. I just asked, is your name Scott? <laughs> Scott, won't, Scott won't have it. Do you know Scott? If he's been here, I won't even ask. <laughs> anyway, my brother. Is he older That's brother? It. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. You're the youngest of the three? I'm right in the middle. Right in the middle, yeah. Yeah. I met one of your brothers. So I have a youngest sister as well. So there's oh, five and so That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, I was uh, listening to a podcast yesterday by uh, a professional MMA trainer for us, a hobby. Uh, this is getting back to exercise and what you were doing with your push-ups and your um, pull-ups. Is that he was talking about these these extreme athletes that push themselves to the limits. So like they're so sore at the end of the day. Like they've just tore themselves up. And so it's tough to get your recovery in overnight to do a good workout the next day. Mm -hmm. So what normally happens is they only get a good workout every second or third day. Where he was saying that if you only did 50% or 65%, I can't remember the exact number, but you got to do it every day. So for instance, if... uh, I did as many push-ups as I could today, and say I got out 50, but I couldn't do any push-ups tomorrow or the next day. So then it's uh, whatever day that is, uh, let's say we started Monday, and then Thursday I could do another 50, but then I couldn't do anything again until Monday, so I only did 100 push-ups. Where a good athlete went in, and they could do 20 every day for seven days, then they're up to 140 Mm push-ups. So at the end of the year, they've done way more exercise than the person that pushed themselves to that limit. And I had never thought about it before because I'm a competitive guy and everywhere mm-hmm. I go, I'm like, well, let's see what I can possibly do. And so, yeah. you know, if I'm bench pressing, let's get it up to as heavy as I think I can push 10 out. And then I try for 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And then I'm broken the next yeah. Well, it's better now. My wife gives me magnesium and <laughs> all kinds of stuff and I get a good recovery in. But um, I think that he's really on to something that we, we, we need to treat our bodies a little bit better and just do that little bit of exercise. But make should we do something every single day well I think something that uh, when it comes to that every single day I think the bigger part of that 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 I wasn't seeing before but it's it's a new thing to me this year what I realize is that there's momentum with that yeah and where where if you leave something and this isn't just exercise but I, I mean I'm a musician or I've you know I always have different projects on the go. But if I leave something for over a week, then I start playing head games with myself. Yeah. You know, it's not worth it or you can't do it or you suck, you know, like Don't all those, you all those voices in your head that that makes you want to push it off. Yeah. If you are doing it on a daily basis, then you are going to have the momentum. Right. And those voices are silenced. I can't remember the ah, what the what the painter's name is off the top of my head, but he said uh, if you have voices in your head that say you cannot paint, by all means paint, okay. and those voices will be silenced. Wow. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember the name. Like of a Picasso. The, yeah. Or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. It starts with a V, but I can't remember the name of, of it right off the top of my head. But anyway, and I love that because I just think it's all about. Like, people are like, well, how do I become more confident? And action cures fear, right. as we know. Yeah. But 
if you if you continually act, then you gain that momentum, and you're building off of what you did yesterday, and you're not even thinking about can I do it today or can't I do it today, yeah, or whatever whatever it is, you just are doing it. You're in the flow, right? But if you don't do something for a week, it's so easy for something to come up, right? And you're like, oh, you know, in comparison of doing push-ups while you're cooking a meal, yeah, versus I got to go to the gym. Oh my gosh, if I had to go to the gym. <laughs> I would never exercise. Yeah. It would never happen. I mean, between baseball and piano lessons and I've got to mow the lawn and full-time job and I've got meetings tonight and I've got this and I, yeah. there's always something. There's always going to be a fantastic excuse. I mean, for me to truly go to the gym, I need two and a half hours between, you know, getting changed and driving to the gym and having a really good workout. You know, I mean, yes, that workout for that person that goes to the gym is going to be far superior than the workout that I have at home. Yeah. That might take me six hours. Yeah. But in that six hours, I've also cooked breakfast. I've also gone and got groceries. I've also taken my son to the park. I've also gone on a bike ride or I've also every single thing in my day has gotten accomplished. Yeah. And I did. 300 push-ups or and I like uh, one thing I started doing is planking like a moving yeah. plank yeah but my friend who's 67 can do a plank for 50 minutes five zero seriously like almost and an hour that's right and he reads yeah well he does well he says <laughs> yeah well it's like yeah I'm gonna I'll, I'll read I'm or, face down anyway so I'll throw a book that's underneath right. Just it put, yeah that's right Oh, and, uh, and and it's great. I mean, I've I've done that, and I do. I'll, I've gotten through a full paper as beads of sweat are coming off of my face, how, and I'm trying to move around. How long can you plan for? I have gotten up to twenty minutes. Oof, that's impressive. No, because someone who's <laughs> twice my age does know, it for an hour. Does it for an hour? Which, I mean, in on one hand, I think. You know, I beat the crap out of myself in my head going, I, I yeah. suck. You loser. I mean, yeah. You can't do it like the yeah, old guy. that's right. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it makes me realize, man, you can be 67 years old and be in far better shape than I am. Yeah. I was on this uh, bike ride with, his, his name's Dick. He lives down in the States. And uh, we decided to do four 100-mile bike rides back to back. Oh, wow. And I bonked yeah. on the last day. Like, I died. We climbed Mount Spokane, and I had nothing left in the tank. And, we, you know. So after climbing, he wanted to do another 100-mile bike ride. Oh, no. Like, the whole last. Oh, it was okay. my crazy idea oh, okay. to do this. We called it the Clover, you know, four big 100-mile loops yeah. out, out of Spokane, which is where he lives. And uh, on the last day, I just, there was nothing left. <laughs> and it took me, like eight hours when it normally would take about five wow. you know, four or five or whatever it is and you still got it done though oh I had to finish yeah yeah no I had to finish I, <laughs> well this is he was fine <laughs> and he was and I remember saying to him I said I hope that when I'm your age I'm in as good a shape as you are and he says you know thank you so much I said the problem is I am half your age, and I'm still not as good as you are. We had a good laugh. There, there's this guy I listen to on podcasts all the time. Uh, um, he's on the Joe Rogan podcast, but he's he's got his own podcast, stuff of his own. His name is uh, Cameron Haynes, and he's a ultra marathoner, uh, avid hunter. He's on all these like hunting TV shows and stuff like that. But he runs a marathon 
every day. And he works a full-time job. Plus, he has kids and a wife and a podcast and all this kind of stuff. And so he just literally plans his day. Plus, he goes to the gym. Like, it's not just... So, you know, I hear what you do, and I'm like, oh, that's super impressive. You get a 500 in a, in, um, in a day, and, you know, you do these 400-kilometer rides. And, uh, and I'm working my way up there, and I have the, I have the same goal. I've never done a 400-kilometer ride. Oh, sorry, 400-100-kilometer yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> And uh, But my goal is the same as yours. Is I want to I be like Dick. I want to uh, be a super fit grandfather, and that starts yeah. now, right? Well, that's the thing, and I think I mean, there's so many different books that say the same thing when it comes to money and investing all those things. And it says, pay yourself first. Yeah. Why don't we apply that to health? I know. Right. Why don't we apply that to health? I mean, and so for me, fortunately, I'm a morning person. It's just that this, I have to fill up the gas tank somehow because the rest of the day between being a teacher and a coach and a husband and a dad, I'm giving. Right. And, and I, I have to have something in the tank. And so, that, so that, that has to come for me. And, and uh, so one of the biggest things that I did this year um, is that I shut off all electronics before bed. Yeah. Like 8 o'clock, the phone is basically, unless I'm listening to a podcast or something. Yeah. But I used to watch a lot of movies or I, I, even YouTube videos and things like that. And now I read. Yeah. And I find it's not like I'm reading for hours at a time. It might only be for 15 minutes. But the research surrounding it is that, that all that blue light wakes you up. Whereas if you're reading, it is taking the energy out. Yeah. And I sleep so much better. Yeah. And therefore, I'm going to bed. Like, I'm going to sleep a lot earlier. Right. And the quality of my sleep is better. And therefore, I have a lot more energy in the morning to get that workout in. Yeah. And I've already pre-planned the whole night before. And the neat thing about that is pre-planning the lunch and the, and the breakfast and the coffee and setting up my clothes didn't take me any longer. No. Because I'm, I'm in the kitchen anyway. Yeah. And so with all of that done, there's really no excuse. Right. And I'm excited even when I'm planning the coffee and getting the smoothie and all those things ready. Tomorrow's going to be a like, good day. Yeah. It's like, hey, I can't. I'm excited to get up tomorrow morning and, and get this done. Now, when 5.30 alarm goes, it's like, oh, you know. Oh, the coffee. And you, and Please let like, the coffee maker go Yeah, off. especially if it's the winter and you're looking <laughs> to the left and, and you see this, like, window and it's snowing and it's freezing. Yeah. You don't want to get out of the covers and you look to the right. And there's your wife still sleeping. You're like, oh, I could so just snuggle up with her <laughs> Absolutely. and just hit the snooze button four times, which often happens. Yeah. But, um... But no, it's like, no, this is, this is happening. One of the bigger reasons I've read, and, and I know that uh, there's different perspectives on it and different research, but that if you do cardio before you eat... Yeah, fasted cardio. That you are getting rid of fat a lot faster yeah. than if you were to, to eat. And the reason is there's no real carbs in your body. Yeah. Now... I'm sure that there's studies that prove this and studies that disprove this. I'm not sure, but what I am sure of is it motivated me enough to get out of bed when it's really cold and saying, I can get rid of fat faster if I work out now. Right. The the study I read was a half hour of cardio in the morning is the equivalent 
of an hour and a half in the afternoon, not for fitness, but for losing fat. Wow. Well, that's exceptionally motivating to yeah. me. Takes you a third of the time to get the same result. Not like not as far as getting in shape. Yeah. But as far as losing fat. Right. And so that was why I would be so motivated at 5:30 in the morning because it, I feel like I get to cheat the system. Now, whether it's worked or not um, for the the fat or that whole study, I don't know. But yeah. what did work is it motivated me enough to get out of bed. There you go. And and get after it. And I would always come up, you know, whistling or singing and being a goof and yeah. and everyone, you know, my son and dog and wife are rolling their eyes at this goofball, <laughs> but. I haven't had, yet had coffee, yeah. and I'm already kind of bouncing off the walls and excited nice. or whatever. But when I'm putting the my stuff on the shoes, like I can't even open my eyes yet, but I'm getting on the bike and yeah. you know and uh, put on Spotify or a documentary. And sometimes it it's just a slog. Yeah. Sometimes that whole 45 minutes hurts. Yeah. And other times it's like I'm even out of the saddle and I am killing it because I feel so good. You, you said something really important earlier and, and to kind of back it up, Jordan Peterson talks about this at length in I think the new book he has, he's definitely done it in his podcast and some of his um, teachings, was uh, um, first do what's right for you and then do what's right for you and your family and then do what's right for you, your family and your community and then do what's right for all those plus the world. And so if you don't first start with looking after yourself, meaning, you know, eating right, exercising right, treating your body properly, getting enough sleep, shutting the electronics off so that you can, you know, actually get the proper amount of sleep, you can functionally be a good family man, right? Like if you're overweight, tired, grumpy, moody, all those things that go along with being unhealthy, well then everything around you starts going sideways. I think that 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 whole concept can be taken extreme both ways. Yeah. One extreme can be, well, I'm trying to be there for everybody else and I'm not taking care of myself and I'm falling apart and I don't feel good and my relationship with my wife sucks right now because I haven't seen her and and my health and I'm just, you know, and, and yes, for that person, the, the, what you just said totally applies. And it's like, Hey, yeah. you know, essentially you have to have something to give. Yeah. And if there's nothing in the gas tank, then you might have to tell that friend, look, I, I can't help you right now. I'm sorry. Or I, I, I can't come over. I know you're struggling, yeah. but, uh, I can give you a call. And we can talk on the phone or can next Tuesday work? Because right now, I haven't seen my wife for a week. Right. And what we find out is that people are actually far more understanding, but we just hate the idea of letting them down because it's not just that we're trying to be there for them, but we find a huge value in being there for somebody. Helping people makes you feel good. Exactly. But there's an other side of that, and that's where I feel that there should be caution. And I know kind of the direction that you're going with this and that, hey, we need to take better care of ourselves. Yes, I do. That there's those people too that have so many boundaries that, oh, I, I have to be in bed at eight tonight and I have to eat this and I'm measuring every single thing I eat. And, and it's like, come on, man, just be a dude and hang out with me. And when a friend is struggling, yeah, that you may drop your plans. Yeah. 
and and you, you didn't you didn't act like you know often it's like hey I I know that this person that I know well is really struggling and I just need to be there for them and I'm gonna drop the fitness and I'm I'm gonna go over there and maybe pick up a pizza and just out. go and listen. And, well, I think and that's part of what what Jordan is saying. It says you have to do what's right for you first, but. It also has to be good for your family and your friends and the world and your community. So when you make your decisions, you know, if your plan is to every night get home from work and sit on the couch and drink beer and watch TV for six hours, well, that's not good for you. It's not good for your family. It's not good for the, the community at large or the world. So when you make that decision of what's good for me, it's not just good for me. It's also good for me and my family and the community oh okay so there i, I get where you're it's, going it's like uh am i actually putting good solid fuel in that gas tank that that's right that because, something to give because that's coming how, home and you know there's all kinds of people that say hey i need downtime yeah and and you know what uh, I think that there is a component oh, 100%. to that, yeah. that, uh, that people do need downtime. But you don't need six hours of downtime every day. Well, and this is, this is where, like what you said, that I think there's a massive spectrum. Right. And if I was to look at that person, and, and if they were complaining and saying, you know, I need to find more value in my life, and I, I, I don't feel confident, and I don't feel this, it would be very easy for me to say, I think we can find some time where we can change some things around. Yeah. Um, but there's also that other, you know, side of that spectrum where people, you know, it's it's all from the side of people are giving to everybody else and they're completely burnt out and there's nothing left in the tank. And then there's the other side of people are taking such good care of themselves that they aren't really also being a contributor in a in a neighbor, in a community. Right. And. I really struggled with this, and it was my my uncle Bob uh, that uh, that kind of he, he gave me the best advice of basically 2017 for me. And uh, I there was a student of mine who graduated that that was in uh, in the hospital mm-hmm. um, for mental health issues, and I was really worried about him. And I had called him a number of times, and then I thought, geez, I need to maybe try and go up and see him, but I haven't seen my wife in a long time, and and uh, my son's not in the best place right now. And, and I was talking to my Uncle Bob of trying to figure out how to, how to do this. And he said, you know, you have to figure out your, your family comes first, mm-hmm. and your health. And then after that, everything that's outside of that circle he said, you can ask yourself when it works. Yeah. And that was the best advice because basically I was reading books on, you know, there's that one book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving. Yeah. And I just read books like that. And then also, you know, very Mother Teresa type books on how to be generous and these kinds of things. And I thought either I'm a generous giver or I'm a jerk. And I didn't find the, I couldn't find where are the boundaries. And when my uncle said that, it just, it, it was like a light bulb went off because it was like, when someone was struggling in my life, I would ask myself, does this work? Mm-hmm. Can I go see them? Can I go help them? Yeah. Or to what extent can I help them? I may not have to go and physically be in their house by, and, and, be, and removing myself from my family situation, 
but I sure can give them a call yeah. while I'm driving for an hour and, and just listen, you know? Right. Or I, I just find 80% of the time the answer was, no, it doesn't work right now. You can't go help them. Where in the past, I was always dropping everything and going over there at this sacrificing my family or sacrificing my health or sacrificing yeah. whatever. And maybe that's why, you know, as you said earlier, I'm a, I'm a big part of the community. Yeah. At the same time, at what cost? Hopefully not a, a divorce or hopefully not a, a, a really distant okay, relationship with my son or, you know, yeah. and, and you've got to have our priorities in order. But that was the, the best answer to that because I think people think about everything in black and white and it's like, I have to start saying no. Yeah. I can't say no. I have to say no to everybody. Jeez, I'm getting excited. I'm hitting things. <laughs> this is awesome. But, but no, people start saying, oh, I give too much. I have to say no. And I've known people like this. It's like for the next six months, they're... Yeah, just shut you down. Yeah, they shut everything. No, I can't. I, I quit. Yeah. And then they go back and it's and, and give. And it's just like, hey, at least with this advice, I just say, well, does this work right now? And it's like, I can't, I can't come over right now. Yeah. But I can visit with you on the phone. Or in four days from now, hey, I could go for, with... Would you be able to go for lunch on Tuesday? Yeah. And uh, or ask yourself, to what extent can I help this person? Right. You know, I, I think that's brilliant. I think that's that follows right along with what Jordan's saying, because if it's detrimental to you or your family, then it's not the right thing to do. Right. And as much as we want to help, we only have so much time. And I think it is difficult to find that balance. And for every person, their time's different, their energy level's different, their their abilities are different. And so trying to figure that out in life, you know, when you're younger, it's maybe yes to everything because you just want to be so helpful for you. You, you went to school for counseling and uh, that, that must be empowering to know that you have these tools to help these people. And I, I should just be helping. Like that this is what I went to school for. I'm here to help. And you go, every time someone has a problem, like, oh, I got an answer for that. I learned this. And you, you love giving out that information. And uh, you eventually learn that, oh, this is this is my amount of time. Like, I can't be a counselor 24-7. I can't be a psychologist 24-7. I can't be a teacher 24-7. I, I teach from 8 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. And then I coach for an hour. And then, you know, I have time to be a dad and a husband. And then in emergencies, I could go be a counselor. Or I can, you know, that, that friend that I haven't seen in a while, I know it's struggling. I'm going to plan Saturday night to go hang out and, and just listen to them right that it's it's there's no right answer and you know the amount of time you spend counseling now might be completely good with your family compared to when your son was five you know i wish that it was all that easy <laughs> right. but it's not like it's i don't not. think about am i a teacher from eight to three yeah because then i'm usually coaching till four or five yeah and then I, I don't know. I have uh, graduated students that I work with and, and recording some of their songs or helping them write nice. some of their songs. And this is where sometimes, like uh, on top of exercise, once a week, um, I try and work on music. Yeah. My son would have his piano lesson. Uh, my son's uh, mom or my ex-wife takes him. And so I have like this four-hour window that I can work. Yeah. And that was, that was really, really awesome. And then, uh, but I still felt guilty. Yeah. You know, 
of like when he came home and I'd still be working for a couple hours and I'd set him up or whatever with whatever and I'd feel like I wasn't being a very good dad for that night. But then I was thinking about it and I thought, well, actually, for I want him to be a really good musician. He's already a good piano player and he sings in a choir. So for him to be watching his dad produce other artists 100%. and having these artists come through this revolving door yeah. and working on working on music. But I think, you know, when am, when am I taking off my hat of being a teacher and then being a coach and then being a dad and being a husband? I don't, I don't think like that. I don't, I know that anywhere I go on the planet, I'm a teacher. Yeah. Um, because I've gone to a lot, a lot of places on the planet and I get a, hey, Mr. Simon, <laughs> you know, yeah. in Germany at a terminal or in... Seriously? I, yeah, oh, yeah. It, it, wow. it, uh, it's just, that's one of those things. Yeah. On the other side of things, though, when, when we're talking about how do I give more to myself, I think, I think that when you have time, you can also be asking yourself, who can I help today? Right. Who can I call today? And maybe you're not a phone caller. I love talking on the phone. Yeah. And, you know, thank God for Bluetooth and all these things that uh, I can <laughs> now legally talk on the phone while I drive. Yeah. And just asking that simple question, you know, who can I, who's hurting right now? Who can I help today? I think that's so. Who needs some encouragement? And, and usually the answer's there. Yeah. There's, there's always someone. That's just what I was going to say. It's so important to take a little bit of time to realize what's on your heart. If it's a person or a thing or an activity, like, you know, you could be thinking about a story about a student that wanted to talk to you that you didn't have time for a few days ago. I'm like, man, I should give them a call or send them an email or, you know, drive by their house, whatever it is. If that's on your heart, you need to go take care of it. I think there's a reason that 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 weighs heavy on us. And then we have to step up and go, you know what? I was thinking about you today. Um, uh, so I just gave you a call, seeing where you're at. You know, the other thing I want to talk to you about today was a little bit about men's mental health. And I think this is kind of a good segue because this is the anniversary of the loss of one of our friends. Uh, it was around this time last yeah. year that uh, Chico took his own life. And it's also the anniversary of another friend of mine. He took his life this time of year. And of course, Anthony Bourdain not too long ago. And that not enough men take that time to, you know, to say, hey, are you doing all right? Mm -hmm. or, or even as men to say, no, no, I'm not doing all right. I'm not in a good place right now. I, you know, I'm sad or I'm anxious or, or whatever it happens to be. As men, we're not good at doing that. And uh, I think it's sad, and this is why, uh, I can't remember what the stat is now, there, there's a large number of suicides that are committed by um, uh, men, I think between the ages of 30 and 45, uh, white males in North America, that that's the largest number of suicides. I should be looking this up, but uh, so don't quote me on this, but I know it's a large number of guys like me and you that are committing, or our friends that are committing suicide. And you know, Chico, was doing everything right. He exercised regularly, he ate good, he had an awesome family that loved him and treated him well. He was a man of faith and he had a pastor that would come over and talk to him. And you know, anyone that was suffering, you'd go, oh, get some exercise, get some sunshine, get some good yeah. nutrition. But I mean, that's our perspective. I, I know True. Chico didn't see it that way. And, yeah. and uh, well, this is kind of my know. point is that um, 
I never once heard Chico say that he was down or saw him down. I know yeah. he has friends that he did share with. I, and I did, and I, I went to see him and, and yeah. spent time with him and called him and, and things like that, and, and maybe not enough. I mean, even on the day, I, I mean, this, this really plays into the point that you're trying to say. Yeah. The day that he took his life, I texted him and said, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Which we need to maybe explore a little further than than that. And I don't know what from from doing that masters in psychology, if I could try and boil it all down to a couple things, one huge consistent thing I found, regardless if it was addictions, regardless if it was behavioral disorders, mental disorders, every one of those things all had one thing in common. They all felt alone. There's an extreme sense of isolation. Yeah. And so from a counselor's perspective or a teacher's perspective, brother, sister, father, any relationship can all ask the same question. You don't have to ask it out loud, but you can you can just ask yourself, how does this person feel alone right now? Yeah. And I guarantee you, if you can put yourself in that type of demeanor, or sometimes I even just ask the question, or I will even say, it sounds like you feel really alone. Yeah. Because that's the starting place. And you don't need even... A, like, that's, that's the crazy paradox of psychology. We are uh, a, a human society, and every human um, needs connection. Yeah. And we're a very relationship-based type of organism. 100%. And yet, we feel alone. And so that's, that's the paradox, or that's the the opposing things and so from a counseling perspective or, or any relationship perspective when we start with that question you know um, so much can come out of it that uh, in, in talking to them with problems and things like that you know how do you it sounds like you feel really alone right now and then you generally don't have to say anything yeah you know it, it's funny when uh, we say, you know, well, what do we say? And the answer is, Sometimes you don't have to say much. Yeah. You you might have to kind of figure out how they feel alone. That's generally, st that's my starting place. That's where I yeah. s start. And then I've said so many times, I know what you're going through right now is really hard. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to go through it alone. So validating their feelings. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and just that reminder, hey, I know this sucks so bad right now, whether it's a divorce or someone's passed away or who knows, yeah. you know, a midlife crisis, you name it. And regardless of any of those circumstances, the person's going to feel alone and that they're the only person on the planet that feels this way. And so just this advice, hey, I know, you're, I know you're really struggling right now, but I want to remind you, you don't have to go through this alone. I'm right here. Yeah. You can call me. You can call me at 3 in the morning. And uh, a number of years ago, I went through a, a divorce, and it was horrible for me. Yeah. And uh, not, not putting any blame on anyone, but I have my brother Scott. Maybe this is redemption <laughs> from when he teased him earlier. But he called me every day. Wow. Every single day for a year. Wow. Hey, buddy, just checking in. How are things going today? And sometimes I lied. Yeah. Sometimes I'd break down. Or sometimes I would, 
you know, or th maybe things were good, but that consistency, yeah, you know, and uh, so maybe it isn't, well, what do I say? But maybe the more what, what, that we keep calling, like, yeah. like someone that has gone through going through a divorce or someone that uh, maybe their spouse has passed away. The first month is just going to be a blur and everyone's going to be so helpful. But three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, that's where they're really going to need help. That support, knowing they're yeah, not alone. Yeah, hey, that's right. Yeah. That just, I just want to let you know. Uh, I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, I was praying about you the other day, and I, I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. Yeah. How How is everything? And and I love the question, how is it going today? Right. And just that that change in the question rather than how is it going. Yeah. Because we know how it's going. There's a reason I'm calling you. Yeah, because I know it sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, just saying, what did you do today? Yeah, and that person can compartmentalize the day and and uh, and just talk about what they did that day rather than the last year because it's just too overwhelming. I know from my standpoint, with none of this background, my fear was, you know, if I phone them and they're in a good mood and I say, you know, how, how's it going today? I know, I know you weren't feeling good, or I know you're, you're kind of down. Now, is that, and maybe your brother handed it perfectly, but I think deep down inside of me, I have this fear that I'm going to bring up that bad emotion again. If they're having a good day, and I call them and say, hey, dude, how's it going? Or how are you doing today? That, I, that he's going to start thinking about whatever bad was before, um, and I get where you're coming from, but I think that was my fear before. And I'm more likely now, after hearing what you said, that if I know a friend's in a bad place, to start calling them every day and just say... It doesn't have to be that. Yeah. I mean, that was extreme, and my brother and I are really close. So if it was your mom or your dad or your brother, you'd yeah. probably be in contact with them every day. Yeah. Uh, I have a, f a friend right now that I contact, try and contact at least once a week. That's the, you know, does this work right now? Yeah. That question, coming back to it, and I'd love to be in contact with that friend of mine more. Yeah. But it's not possible. Yeah. But I definitely call them and I haven't forgotten about them. You know, what, what does everybody need? Like coming back to that whole relationship. Everybody needs a witness. Yeah. And when they feel that they have a witness, then that, that eliminates that concept of being alone. Right. You know, and just saying, hey, I... I want you to know that I am here, that I, I am validating you. It's almost an accountability thing for that person too. Like, well, I know Rick's calling me tomorrow, right? And then he gets... Well, that was with it for my, for my brother, you know, yeah. I gave you purpose. Yeah. I better have something to say. Yeah. I know he's calling me. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta have this conversation. I, I can't not take the call from my brother. Yeah. Or I can't ignore him for the fourth day in a row. <laughs> yeah because he'll come over right right yeah. he'll just knock he'll just walk in he, yeah. he had a key or whatever it was yeah and uh yeah so that that validation or that witness it gives you purpose it you know that's powerful i think because a lot of people feel like well, what you know when a person gets really low or whatever well, what difference is it going to make if i'm here or not you know right and whether we had that in our teenage youth um, over, you know, some stupid things we broke up with a girlfriend, or whether we have that the as stuff a, that drove you nuts as a teenager that like you flew off the wall for, and you look back at now and you go, what, <laughs> oh, what was like, wrong with that yeah, kid? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and you're like, I, I don't even know what to say. That was, that was really dumb. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, some of the things that... Oh, my short story for you. Okay. I remember trying to understand how anything intelligent that I've said thus far is going to be completely negated yeah. after this story. Okay. But... Uh, I Can't listen to that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the story at the end is worth it. Just fast forward to the end. Okay. Um, I wanted to figure out how bullets worked. Okay. And I grew up on a farm. We had these 22 shells. Yeah. I tried to tell my dad. He's like, no, I don't want to know. But uh, I wanted to understand how it all worked. Yeah. And so... <laughs> I took a hammer and a bullet yeah. on a concrete pad. Seriously? And and hit it. Yeah. To figure I wanted to see inside the shell and I thought, well if I'm not hitting I didn't think. Yeah. Obviously. This is the point. <laughs> if you hit a bullet with a hammer. It's not you it's thinking. not like I was trying to put myself in crazy danger and do something stupid. Yeah. I honestly remember how my brain was thinking or wasn't thinking at yeah. the time. I'm just like, I'm really curious to see what the inside of a bullet looks like. Yeah. And how that power so hammer, it'll break open it, like a I piggy thought, bag. I, I, thought, I thought, yeah. I just thought that the, the shell would split and I got to see the inside. I scared the. <laughs> right. So it, <laughs> it obviously went off when you hit it with a hammer. Oh my God. Yeah. And in through the trees and past the fence and. And I just thought, I you but I hit something, or like myself. Yeah. The funny thing is, it was originally pointing at me. Yeah. I'm like, oh wait a minute, I just turned it 90 degrees. <laughs> Thank God. Can you imagine coming in, mom? I got a 22 shell. Mom! <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. How did you do that? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> just take me to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but uh, it really goes like when you when you. When your child does something completely dumb, yeah, know that their brain it's not is not fully developed, and what is the? It's like God's sense of humor, right? Yeah. What is the last part of the brain to be developed? The cerebral cortex, where decision making, rationality, <laughs> and logic exists. And it's almost like to your It's almost like God's like. Oh, this should be interesting. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Oh wow. Yeah, and that's why insurance agents uh, is ten times higher for a sixteen-year-old boy driving a sports car than it is for an eighty-year-old grandma right. driving a Mazda. Because they just don't—they're not firing on all cylinders. My, uh, There's no logic. Yeah. My, my wife and I took um, a foster parenting course. We were, we were going to become foster parents. And uh, the lady that was running the course had been a foster parent for like 25 years. And she had done mostly teenagers. And she goes, the one thing that you have to understand when you're bringing foster kids into your house is that they're under stress for something. They're, they're, they're not coming from a, a happy-go-lucky home into yours. Mm -hmm. They're coming from a really, really bad situation. She goes, to keep it in mind that when you take a normal teenager from a good house that you know, has a good upbringing, uh, they will test positive for like seven mental illnesses uh, between the ages of 13 and 17. These are good kids. They come from a good home, loving, caring, well taken care of, well fed. They will test positive. We know they're not mentally ill, but they would test pill 
uh, positive for these mental illnesses. And it's a scary time, right? It's a scary time for them and probably a lot for parents. I know that uh, my daughter is uh, 13, going on 14 in December. And in the last year, she's completely changed the way she communicates. And you're like, what? How, how does things turn so... And it's not like it's bad. But all of a sudden, we're just not communicating the same way, not as open, not as um, pleasant as she was yeah. uh, a year ago. And, and so we really struggle with it. And like, do, do we, we have to hold her accountable, but we, do we do that through um, some form of punishment? Like, well, if you speak to mom that way, then I'm going to take this away or you're not going to be able to do this. Do we, do we do it just strictly on love and, you know, I worry about the positive reinforcement. How do you positively reinforce this behavior? She comes down here and chews everyone out. Actually, a little snot. You're like, well, I sure hope you have a better night, dear. <laughs> right? Well, I think I think the one thing that is definitely key is a sense of humor. Yeah, oh, for sure. You know, I mean, uh, I can't remember who it was that asked me. You know, like, how do you deal with teenagers every day? Yeah. And I just said, well, I am crazier than they are. <laughs> And if they're trying to figure out how I'm ticking, yeah. like what is with this guy, yeah. then I have zero behavior issues because I'm the behavior problem. There was a mom on Oprah, she says, I want my kids to think that I'm on the verge of snapping <laughs> yeah. at any given minute and they just tiptoe around me yeah. and life gets way better. So yeah. when the kids get a little crazy, I get a little crazier. And yeah. then all of a sudden they go, oh, okay. Well, the th- I mean, the, the truth be told, if I was to actually honestly answer your question, I mean, I had this teacher when I first started teaching, he had a mustache and he didn't, he said, don't smile till the end of September, <laughs> you know? And I tried that and I tried a disciplinary role and I tried a number of different things. And, uh, I think that the, the, the number one thing I would suggest to parents or teachers or whatever, you have to be yourself. You have to be authentic. If yeah. you're, if you are acting in any way, oh, I'm going to act and be the hard guy or I'm going to you know soften or whatever it is they teenagers that's just like I see right through you adults can fake each other out way better than you can with kids and if you're not being yourself with teenagers then you you better give your head a shake because you're gonna get completely played you know but but I I just I love if I get a bit of attitude from a teenage girl, I'll just be like, oh, what ever, <laughs> you know, and, and just yeah. shuts <laughs> them down or turns them off. Or. Yeah. Or other times, um, um, okay. I know I do have a, other than being authentic, I do have one other piece to add to that. The consistency. Never, n- Yes, yes. That okay. So, man, we're gonna we're gonna have a list here. Yeah. <laughs> skills or teaching skills, but yeah, you do have to be a, a consistent, and uh, and I think that plays in line with being authentic. But right. there is one major thing that I would recommend, and I would say this with any relationship: if you are going to, um, if you have to be negative, and sometimes we do. Yeah. Or if you have to punish, or if you have to say, you have to be confrontational. Yeah. Be confrontational one on one. Okay. So let's say your daughter came down and was a terrible person, and and lost it on your wife, yeah. and then your son, and then walked away and slammed the door, or whatever. Yeah. Things went there's, sideways. There's two options. 
one, get back down here and come and apologize to your mom and come and do this, which is, that will never work because she's still so pissed off yeah. and your wife is charged and Eric is charged and you're charged. Yeah. It's, that is going to be an atomic bomb that just goes off. Yeah. Or you, you pull your wife aside and you say, I know that really hurts you. Yeah. I promise I'm going to deal with this, but I don't want to go up there as pissed off as I am right now. Yeah. Because I'm going to say something I'm going to regret and it's not going to go the way I want it to. Yeah. So you validated that your, your wife's emotions so that she knows that you've got her back and you've given your daughter half an hour or an hour. Yeah. And then you go up there and you knock on her door and may I come in? No. Okay, well, I'm going to come in anyway. Yeah. But, uh, and then you talk to her one-on-one. Now, what does that do? When you talk to a person one-on-one, then they're, when you put a person in front of a crowd and you embarrass them, yeah. it's, it's, it's double the charge, 10 times the charge Deep of down, whatever emotion, because now I'm embarrassed. Deep down, I think they know that what they've done is not correct. Oh, they're terrible. So, so you go up to them and, and you say, you're not being yourself. Or, you know, what's a great way for confrontation, whether it's adult or whatever, and you, and you start, just ask a question. Can you explain why you reacted that way downstairs? I yeah. don't understand. And that, instead of putting her in a corner, that's going to give her an opportunity to validate. Now, or, or to tell her story. Now, her story is going to be completely irrational by some BS that's going on in the school and Snapchat and this and that and yeah. social media. And can you believe that she said and he said and then that said and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then hear her out. You may have to reiterate what she said back. Just let me make sure I got this clear. You're upset because this, this, and this. Is that right? Yes. Is there anything else? And then maybe she's going to go off for a little bit longer. But there's no point in disciplining her until she's going to feel hurt, which is so hard because you're so pissed off. <laughs> and I'm saying this, and it sounds great, but it's really hard to do. Yeah. But once the walls come down and you say, is, is there anything else? Let me get this straight. I just want to make sure I understand. Then you reiterate it back. Yeah. You're upset because someone said this in Snapchat and you feel hurt or you're embarrassed or you, you, you feel left out or your friend you know, put you aside or whatever it is. Yeah. Or something that happened home or whatever. Is that, is that right? Yes. Okay. I'm really glad I understand that. Because that helps me understand why you maybe reacted that. Yeah. Can you, and not until they feel understood can they develop any sense of empathy. Yeah. So now I can say, what you said to your mom downstairs, do you think that's fair? And you see how I'm still asking a question. Yeah. Right? No, that wasn't fair. How do you think you should have spoken to your mom with manners? Yeah. Right. Or another big eye roll, and it's like, oh, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> and it's like, I understand that, but that in our house, we know that that's not how we treat each other as a family. Yeah. What can you do between now and, you know what, you can say, give her options. Say, do you want to go talk to her now, or do you want to wait until tomorrow morning? But before you leave for school tomorrow morning, I'm going to, I think that it's going to be fair for you to apologize. And maybe you just lay down the law then and say, yeah. I need you to apologize to your mom, but you get to decide the time. Yeah. 
So what happened in that whole process? Well, you didn't embarrass her. Yeah. She feels understood. And she has some autonomy of when she has to deal with this punishment of having to apologize. Yeah. Or maybe it's like, hey, that, that's the second time or third time this week. And so we have to now have a punishment. Yeah. Here are your options. Now, kids, instead of being pissed off about whatever options or whatever punishment they are, if they have an option of what punishment I'm going to get, now I'm kind of excited to have some freedom in what I'm going to decide, even if both options suck. Right? Yeah. I do this with my son. My wife sometimes do. Do you want to unload the dishwasher or wash the truck? Yeah. Do you? <laughs> now, truth be told, I had to do both originally. <laughs> but, but uh, wow, I want to mow the lawn. Now, if I said, go mow the lawn. Yeah. Or, anyway, but the point is people... People don't want to be embarrassed. People want to have... You, you can't put a person in a corner. Yeah. you got to give them an out. And then when it comes to punishment with your kids, give them an option. Yeah. Right? They're still going to get punished. Maybe the option's time. Yeah. You know, if it's a student of mine, it's like, hey, you can either come in at lunch and serve at detention, or I'll call your parents. Yeah. What do you want? Sometimes... Most of the time they'll come into the detention and say, no, go, go ahead and call my parents or whatever. Yeah. Or, um, I don't, that's just an example. Yeah. But what just happened in that situation? If I said, you were coming for detention, it would be a full-blown full war. Yeah. If I said, here are your options. What you did is unacceptable in class. Yeah. But I'm going to let you choose the, the punishment. You can come in for DT yeah. or I call administration or you know yeah. and because it really doesn't matter what, what, is it, what matters is that the, the behavior changes yeah. or the biggest thing that I'm looking for and this isn't just a, a child or my, uh, uh, my child or a student uh, this is also with my wife or this is also with another adult what I'm looking for is some acknowledgement that they screwed up yeah. if I can get that where they say, I did this wrong, or I can see how I treated you unfairly, or, you know, and it usually comes from a question, can you understand how that person would have felt when you did that? I didn't mean to do that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Maybe I have to continue validating what, where they're at. Yeah, I understand you're upset and what happened earlier and all those things, and that wasn't fair what happened to you either. However... Sarah in class, when you did that to her, or your mom, when you spoke to her like that, that really upset her. Yeah. Can you understand, without her knowing what happened to you today, how that would have... Yeah, you know, I can't understand that. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dad. As soon as a person gets to that point where they're willing to take accountability, that's it. I've, my job's done. Because what, what's just happened? They've, they've garnered a sense of empathy. Yeah. That's, that's the whole goal. To that, that a teenager, are you kidding me? A teenager can think outside of their own selfish being yeah. and realize that, hey, my actions actually have an impact on someone else on a negative way. 100%. Right? So, so that's a huge deal. Now, I, <laughs> I want a big, huge caveat in this. Yeah. All of these things that I'm talking about, I screw it up all the time. Yeah. 
my emotions get in the way and, and, and you know, I get in an argument. And what is an argument? Both people waiting their turn to say what they're thinking. Right. He needs to understand what's on my yeah. mind. Right. And, and it sounds so simple, yeah. and it is. But the, I think one of the hardest things to do on the planet is to be so angry at somebody and then reiterate how they feel. Yeah. And that's where you might need 24 hours. I mean, in some cases, you might need a week yeah. before you address the issue because I, you have to calm down. I, know. I, uh, I went and followed a, a program up in um, Rocky Mountain House with, uh, that they run veterans through that have PTSD or TBI and have emotional uh, injuries due to their job. And one of the things they talk about is that there's, they talk about the sight of a gun, right? So you have your left of sight, your right of sight, and your center. And your left is no walkaways, and your right is no blaming. And then, I'm trying to remember what the center was. But basically it was that it's not you against the person in front of you it's you two against the problem that you have and so when you put that in perspective that that whatever the issue is with your the person you're in a relationship with is that they're not doing this to hurt you purposely they have a problem and if they realize that the two of you could work on this problem instead of you know me against uh, my daughter or my daughter against my wife that it's us against whatever issues are going on in your life because what you said i did completely wrong twice um in the last couple of weeks with my daughter where she was being a certain way and i lost it like i yelled it was in front of a bunch of people and i'm like you are not doing this and i just made all these demands it never got better I did it twice in a row and got zero results. And then this was between her and her brother. And then it happened with her mom. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of stopped everything. I'm like, okay, what I'm doing is not working. I stopped and uh, her and her mom had a little outing and then she went up to her room. And I'm like, I'll go talk to her in a bit. And uh, so, you know, my wife's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I'll go find out. Because it wasn't directly against me, even though I was angry. I'm like, let's just let it happen. So I went up to her room and I said, Listen, the only time that I see you act this way is when something's not going right in your life. That there's something that you're, you know, she went through a bullying thing uh, a couple of years ago. How do you feel alone right now? You don't have to come out and say it. Right. And, but, and I didn't exactly say that, but I just said, this isn't who you are. Um, and, and I recognize that. I says, we're here, you know, you've got friends, you've got counselors at school, you've got people at church and your pastors and your grandma, all these people you can talk to. So whoever you need to talk to, go work out your problems. But in the meantime, this is the way we treat each other in the house. And if you are making the decision to treat each other or treat us poorly, then these are the things that you're going to lose. So I don't even say like you're done, I'm taking this away, that, that this is my last row, and I'm calm, and I'm sitting down to talk to you. If this should happen again, you lose whatever, sleepovers or friends' visits or whatever for, for this amount of time. And then if it happens again, it's going to be this for this amount of time. So you get to make the decision on how your summer's going to go. Yeah. You can have your summer go very well by working out your problems or allowing us to help you work out your problems. Or you can stay upset and then run the risk of losing your mind again, and then you're going to lose all your stuff. So what's it going to be? Well, I hate to tell you this, but she's going to lose her mind again. Yeah, she's a teenage no. girl. <laughs> um, 
but there's one huge thing that you did there that's really important is that is that you did what I call it I don't call it anything I'm calling it now I like the way you set it up yeah because she's not being surprised of a discipline that's coming out of left field right you're saying okay this is a problem I've tried to address it in the past but in the moving forward I'm letting you know if this happens this is the consequence right and uh, we've tolerated it for this yeah long. we try I've tried it for different things but then when it happens again you have to deliver yeah on that consequence you well, I don't have, have a problem with that no I know but a lot of people do <laughs> I know and it's hard yeah because no one loves like disciplining kids suck it's brutal. It's not fun. I don't no, fun. no, nobody does. Yeah. But that discipline means that there's a consistency, and what that consistency does is there's boundaries. Right. And your teenage girl, any kid, whether the kid is one years old or eighteen, yeah. If the kid is thinking, well, I got away with this last time, but I'm not sure if this, and they're trying to find where that line is. Whether it's a teacher or whether it's a parent, it's no different. They're not going to focus on the classroom. They're not going to focus on building a relationship. They're not going to focus on anything but trying to figure out where the line is. Yeah. And pushing the line. And they're not even being a jerk about it. Yeah. You know, that's just I the have, way they work. I have. There are teachers that, you know, sometimes might complain about Johnny. And I just think, I just taught Johnny and he's great. Yeah. And I find out that Johnny was completely being a terrible person in that person's class, but they're fine in my class. Yeah. Why is that? Well, it consistently I'm, went this way when I was bad in this. Well, class. or the other the other teacher doesn't have a set of rules. Right. And it's not like I even start the year with rules. I don't ever talk about the rules. Right. I mean, you're in grade eleven. I don't, we've we heard about the rules and respect, common sense stuff from, from day one. I'm not going to talk about rules. We're going to talk about something that's exciting or in the news or whatever it is that I'm teaching. Yeah. But if you go out of line, then I'm going to say, do you mind just popping out into the hall and I'll talk to you in a minute? Yeah. And that, you know, gives me time to calm down, gives them some time to calm down and say, and, and almost always I start with a question, can you explain what just happened in there? Yeah. And, uh, and then hear them out and then come around. Can you understand how that was hurtful or that was embarrassing or that that was disrespectful? Yeah, yeah, all of those words. Yeah. And again, all I'm looking for is that acknowledgement that they did something wrong. Yeah. That's it. Once they're like, yeah, I can understand how I did that. Yeah. That's usually all I need. And then, and then we can get back. To, okay, let's get back to work. I wish I had you as a teacher. I would have been uh, a much better student if I had you as a teacher. I had some teachers with really poor... I had some really good teachers, too. But I had some teachers with really poor skill sets when I went through high school. And, and I wasn't a great kid. I wasn't, a, I think, an easy kid to teach or even a nice kid to teach. But that, that, that mentality, I don't know whether they teach it in university or not. They should be teaching it in university because that's the proper way to handle it. And, you know, if you did that 85% of the time, how many kids would make a dramatic change? Oh, it happens all the time. Yeah. But, I mean, there are still students that, yeah, 
I, uh, they're just jerks. Yeah. Sometimes people and adults are just jerks. Yeah, it happens. And, uh, you know, you, you, you have to, I try and give the benefit of the doubt. I try and be nice and this and that. And uh, there's this funny, I think it's funny now the way I, I put it in my brain, but there's this documentary on the Cold War. And this guy said the only way that you can communicate with Russians is through force. <laughs> and it sounds ridiculous, but I find when I've tried everything with somebody, yeah, and I've tried to be nice, and I've tried asking those questions, and I've tried to work things out, and they're still completely hard-headed or stubborn or, you know, awful, yeah. then I say to myself, oh, they're a Russian. <laughs> And then that, which, which is the cue for me to say, the only thing they understand is force. Yeah. And unfortunately, we're not going to be able to walk through doors. We, they, this kid has to hit a brick wall. Yeah. And unfortunately, that brick wall's name is Mr. Simon. Sometimes. You know, and I, I mean, I had some students this year that were constantly late, asked them this and that, and it's like, okay, uh, you know, can you please come on time? Called home. Uh, discuss with admin, discuss with their homerooms, talk to them again, nothing's changing. And I just finally said, okay, every minute you're late, you owe me back. Yeah. And next week, every minute you're late, you owe me two minutes back. Nice. And they just, we got to spend a lot of time together. Yeah. And I made it fun. I said, guess what next week is? And I rub my hands together. We double again and it's four minutes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, so you give them detention, and the detention's based on the time that they're. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was set up in such a way that lunch was right after. Yeah. So. So like, you always got to bring lunch your lunch. Out. Yeah. <laughs> you owe me some time. That's right. Seventeen minutes today times four. Holy smokes! That's every Holy lunch hour lunch. this week. <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, I don't know, but they, but. Uh, Finally, they figured out that I wasn't kidding. Right. And I'd say during the class, you better go to the washroom now because when the lunch bell goes, you're not going in. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, but and it was fun. Yeah. But uh, the kid at the end, he's like, he had respect for me because right. he knew that I couldn't just be pushed around. Yeah. Or or whatever, you know. And, uh, and it's three days left of school and I'm meeting with his mom. Yeah. And, uh, because I don't see it as, well, whatever, there's three days left of school and, and, uh, the rules cares. Are the rules. I'm not going to see him again. I'm thinking this kid is an 18 year old kid. And if he doesn't understand the coming on time and being on time and, and putting in ha some type of an effort, yeah. then how is the future looking for this kid you know what's yeah. my objective as a as a teacher trying to sorry <laughs> i'm getting animated and I'm, away from the microphone. I'm just trying to get these young adults to become adults as prepared as you can for adulthood and it's well, an, that's right it's an uphill battle for for some kids because of the families they come from or their 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 home or they're or their russian culture, or they're or russian that they're going to do and, it their way and no uh what. and i don't i i don't win them all yeah you know yeah you know th some kids they 
there was a couple in that class and they just, you know, they got me, they just didn't show up at all. And yeah. it's like, well, you clearly missed the lesson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, which is you got me. Which is you all too um, regular with with youth, with teenagers, is they just don't get what's going on. Well, no, you know, but but what they did get is I wasn't joking. Right. I mean, I was joking about it. Yeah. And I did it in a fun way. Yeah. But that. When I said it, I meant it, and I delivered on it. I didn't. I didn't want to be wasting my lunch hours on these guys, right? Um, or whatever it was. But but you want to make good a people. consequence. Well, or or bloody well show up. Yeah, it's disrespectful. Yeah, hundred percent. And and uh, and you're eighteen. Yeah, you know, or whatever whatever it is. If you're going to go to a job. If you if you're going to go to school in the future, I hope you're not one of those students that sleeps in and misses half of the classes and drops out and blows, you know, $15,000 of his parents' money because he didn't feel like getting out of bed. And like, I don't know. I just, anyway, I, I, uh, I digress a little bit, but, (laughs) but coming back to it, I mean, even with my son, I set up a punishment. If this happens again, then I'm taking away your Lego. For some reason, that's what works for Josh. Every kid has their own currency. If I I get upset or, you know, um, the only thing that really works for Josh, like what it just, the light bulb goes on, bang, he comes home, the Lego's gone, and then, and then the problem solved. But I don't want to be doing trips upstairs and downstairs, taking away the Lego and, <laughs> and him crying on his way to school, knowing that the Lego's going to be gone when he gets home. Right. That's what, heartbreaking. Oh, it is. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But what I do want is for for him to be successful right. at school. And if he's not bringing home his agenda and I don't know what's going on and he's missing homework assignments, yeah, then... Then there I has have to be and I, accountability. Just like her. those other kids, I've asked, I've tried to work it out, yeah. contact with the teacher, what kind of system, and finally it's like, hey, pal, this is on you. Yeah. And you have to do this one simple task so that dad knows what needs to be done so I can help you. Yeah. And if I'm not finding this stuff out and your math homework's two days old, then we have a major problem. At least in my world, I yeah. think we have a major problem because. Yeah, you have a couple tears over Lego being lost for a week versus you, you know, you suck at math. Yeah. Those, those are... They're not okay. They're, no, yeah. no. I, 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 and and uh, that's, you know, what does my dad say? When your kid throws a tantrum, and this goes to show how old the story was, it was like his dad's dad's story or whatever. <laughs> When your kid is throwing a tantrum at the drugstore because he wants the pack of gum, yeah. don't put down the dime. Basically <laughs> saying, do it. you know, it just, and, and everyone has been in both situations where you have put down the dime or the dollar sixty nine of whatever pack of juicy fruit is these days <laughs> because you just, just, just shut up and stop embarrassing me, right? Like, yeah. like just, just whatever you want, you know, but that's the whole thing. No, yeah. go cry all you want. Hell, stay here. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah, but, so but, but I will. Happening. I will deal with it. I yeah. will. I you you can cry. 
until you are blue in the face, but I am not getting that for you because you're throwing a tamper tantrum. That's not how you get stuff. Right. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of society is getting stuff. It is. And um, it's coming back to that whole consistency. And then what, what happens next time? Um, he starts to throw a temper tantrum, and it's like, oh, you want your Lego? Yeah. You know, instead of what he, him thinking that I'm going to get whatever I want because I'm throwing a temper tantrum, like, he will... He knows that that is the exact opposite way of getting, you know, what he what he wants. And so, what's happened there is that he's understand that there are boundaries, right? And there's a consistency, in the, and there's a line, and that you can't cross that line with dad because no matter how much he loves you, and vice versa, that's not how you get stuff. I I you told know? my son that my job is to turn him into a good man. That, that's it. That's that's my goal. So if that means you don't get video games or you don't get to go hang out with your buddies or whatever it is, you'll put yourself in line to be a good man or you're going to lose your stuff. So if that's, you know, speaking to your mom improperly or being mean to your sister or not doing the stuff that you're supposed to do that, you know, we've agreed on that, you know, you get home from school, you have a snack, you do your chores, you do your homework, then you do your stuff. You do it out of order. That's not the way it works. As a dad, I get up in the morning, I do the stuff that I have to do, being, you know, getting myself ready, going to work, putting my family first. Man, this is an army household you've got going over here and you do it in this order. <laughs> is there a time frame on the, on the wall? For some Why are of we them. doing push-ups? <laughs> for, for some of them, there are. Most of them are not. And I, I love my kids dearly, and I, I, I do lots of great things with them, but I'm also I'm super, teasing. super stern with them. Like it's, I, I believe that the reason that I've got the successes in my life is because I've done the hard things first. Yeah. I've, I've done the stuff that I'm responsible to do first, and then I get to go do other mm-hmm. stuff, right? If, if I didn't have a wife and kids, well, I would probably be on a beach somewhere drunk. Uh, but I have a wife and kids and I love them and I want to do good things for mm-hmm. them. So I get up in the morning and I do the work and I, and I put the effort in and I make sure that I am as close to 100% that I can that day. Like every day is maximum effort. And that's what I want my son to realize is that if you put that maximum effort in and, and sometimes that maximum effort is not awesome. You have bad days. But every day you're striving for that maximum effort, you become really, really close to it. And that's where success comes from. Success internally, that's how I get my, my, my happiness, knowing that I'm fulfilling the needs that I'm supposed to as a, as a husband, as a dad, as a, a man in the community. That's where I get my, my, like you said, that's how I fill my bucket is that I know I'm doing my stuff. So when I stop to do something for myself, like go back, uh, grab a six-pack of beer and sit out and watch the UFC like I'm going to do tonight, is that I don't feel guilty about it because for the last two weeks, every moment I've had, I've done the stuff that I'm supposed to do as all the things that I am. And uh, I think when we can teach our, our kids that responsibility and the accountability, and I'm not saying they have to do it like me. I'm maybe a little bit more driven than some people, and I do a little bit more than uh, other people do, and maybe I should take more relaxed time. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but that you've got to... Well, that's not in your character. It's not in you my character. You can't relax, and I, I'm, I'm very much the same. Uh, I'm getting better. Yeah. But... But even like we talked about when we were bike riding, 
even my things that I find relaxing, I have goals in, exactly. which there's a bit of a problem with that. And, yeah. and listeners might find like, come on, you know, but I think with, with your kids, it depends on the kid. Yeah. And, and some kids need incredible amounts of structure. Josh is one of them. Yeah. But maybe your daughter, for instance, isn't, and I don't know her that well, but she's an artist. We don't give her the same structure. Right. But, but you could say, listen, these are the things that have to be done by the end of the week. Yeah. You get to pick when you do them. And then you're getting both built in. Right. You know, or I don't know, it depends on the it depends on the kid. Like maximum effort. And uh some kids aren't motivated or wired that way. Yeah. Um but I do think that leaving it all out on the table is a really hard thing for any person to do. And I have this discussion with some of my classes. Why is it that people uh, or students will get back a mark of 60 and they'll say something to the effect of, well, I I could have done better, but I didn't study. And I said, okay, yeah, no, no." but there's a reason for it. And, And I think adults do this too all the time. What would have happened if they studied their butt off and they still got a 60%? Yeah. There's no net anymore. Right. There's no safety net. I I still biffed it. Yeah. And I did my best. With maximum effort, it still wasn't great. And it still wasn't great. And there's no fallback mechanism. And that's a terrifying thing. Yeah. And students do this all the time. Okay, I'm going to put in a half effort. And then if it comes out crap, I've got an excuse. I've got an excuse. Yeah. And, and this is the whole thing that I, you know, would want an entire culture to change in that I don't care what the result is. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. You know, John, John Wooden was a, is a famous basketball coach in the NCAA and won the most awards for, for the most wins and all these different things. But he didn't focus on, he never talked about winning and losing ever he talked about skills and he talked about attitude and as a coach I say to my team here's my focus attitude skills then competition yeah because if the attitude and the skills are in place you're going to be there yeah anyway in his one of his books he talks about his entire goal for for defining success is when the team or the athlete actually reaches their potential and did their absolute best that there was nothing left that they could do. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, I found for myself, it, it basically it's like being that proactive that I took the initiative and I did everything in my, I could in my power to do the best job I could. Is it perfect? No. When I did an album a number of years ago, was, is it perfect listening back? No. But at the time... It was my best. Yes. And everyone's had that feeling where it's like this project or this job that I did on this house or this report or whatever it is, this is my absolute best. Man, it feels like it's your own little child, whatever it is, even if it's, you know, doing baseboards on a house or whatever it is. And that's the goal, you know. Um, What we want are... are, um, young adults and, and 
relationships with whatever people that you want to walk away saying there was nothing more I could have done. Yeah. You know, and Leave I... it all in the ring. Well, that's just it. Or, yeah, and... and, and uh, but you can apply that to everything. I mean, yeah. I, I was a finishing carpenter for a while, and uh, I had this... He was an older finishing carpenter who's come to check him in on me from the, the boss or whatever. And he came and checked my stuff, and he basically said, this is crap. <laughs> and I said, well, I did the same type of job yeah. at the last house, and it passed. Yeah. And he just looked at me and like, come on. Yeah. And he finally said, he just said, and it was the best lesson ever, and he said, you have to have your own standards. Yeah. Regardless of the standards. Don't of, fall down to other people's standards. That's just it. Yeah. And, and so whether it's um, my a class that I taught or, you know, it was an album or it was a gig that I've done or my son or my relationship, I want to walk away saying, I gave it my absolute best. I didn't cut any corners. I didn't shortchange anybody. Yeah. There's nothing I, I can think of anymore. You know, yeah. I don't always get that right. Don't, don't get me wrong, but there are some students, like a goal of mine this year, with a really challenging student, was to say, there was nothing else that I could have possibly thought of to help this student succeed. Yeah. You know, and with that one, fortunately, it was a huge win. Um, and, and the goal, regardless whether the student passed or failed, the goal for me was... I want to be able to look myself in the mirror and say there was nothing left yeah. that I could have thought of possibly doing for that student. That, that, that's, that, I'll go back to it again. That that's the kind of teachers I wish I had in certain situations when I, when I was a kid because I, I completely agree that if everyone just put in their maximum effort, even though it's not going to be as good as year's number one student or world's best ad, you're always putting that best effort in, you're going to get a little bit better every day. Um, and I don't mean to cut you off here, but we have a group of people coming over very oh. quickly to do you see. I, I, I want to do this again because I don't think we got nearly deep enough into the uh, the stuff that, that we could talk about. Uh, and you're, you're We're just scratching the surface. Just scratching the surface. And uh, I love it because uh, we get to learn about parenting from a psychology standpoint and a dad standpoint uh, or a counseling standpoint and a dad standpoint because we do all make mistakes. We do all... Um, uh, I think most of us try our hardest and if we just put a little bit more effort in every day then the world would be that much better so to everyone else out there I know we could talk about this for yeah, another well, couple hours see, but I, I, to, to yes we want maximum effort yeah. but I also think we need to take it easy some on grace. ourselves sometimes some too yeah that's right you yeah. know and I think we need to once in a while say I'm going to stop beating myself up over this yes yeah and uh, yeah. well, Rick, thank you so much for yeah. coming out. I love Absolutely. you, brother. We'll uh, we'll do this again soon. It's seven o'clock. Everyone's going to start showing up for okay. the fights, and uh, that means my dog's going to be barking. Okay, and Exciting. I made it through almost the whole podcast without any technical errors, and this might be That's the a first win. podcast we did without any technical errors. I've had the dishwasher go off, and the battery die, the laptop, <laughs> and my phone. So uh, I'm super good. excited about this one, everybody. This is uh, Chad and Rick with I Want to Know and uh, we'll talk to you all again soon. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a good night.